Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm not going to be Medusa today. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. My parenting memoir will be called What Doesn't Work. (laughs) With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Oh my God, like you're so unpleasant. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. And I'm like, oh, wow, 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 wow. Hey, everybody, welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we are talking about the whining is killing us. This was suggested on Instagram by one of our listeners named Kate. So thanks for the suggestion, Kate. But we didn't need it. Right, Margaret? (laughs) I mean, we love you, Kate. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for doing your part. But yes, this was not like, I mean, it was one where we heard it. We were like, yeah, that's a thing we should talk about. And I mean, it annoys us if we could totally never be annoyed by it. Would it disappear as a problem? I'm not sure. But that it annoys us this much is probably enough of a problem. I do want to say right off the top, because it's my favorite thing. That whining fits into one of my favorite parenting categories, as you know, Amy. Whining is a biological imperative. Mm -hmm. Much like picky eating, much like many of the annoying things. Well, the picky eating thing, that's like if your two-year-old won't eat anything at all except for grilled cheese, that's because like... You know, when we were cavemen, however many hundreds of thousands of years ago, if you ate a berry off the wrong bush, that toddler would die. So having picky eating as a toddler is part of a survival mechanism that is now being born out in your kid never eating anything for dinner. So it's comforting somehow. And similarly, whining is a biological imperative in that, and I'm sure you have this in your studies, Amy, so I don't mean to spoiler alert this for everyone, but whining is also a biological imperative in that it is like the, it's nature's car alarm. Like it's like that high pitched annoying sound is designed to be so annoying so that you go to a child in distress. Yes. Biologically speaking, your child will survive if they can make a very annoying noise when something is wrong. Yes, there is a study. I've always got a study for you, Margaret. So I mean, I did not doubt that you could back this up with a study, but whenever I see a biological imperative, we need a biological imperative alarm on the podcast. Yes. And then a study like, I don't know, like ding, ding of delight. Some new sound effects may be coming your way. The biological imperative alarm and the study siren. So this one 
Rosemary Sokol Chang, I'm sure she's a mom. She is out of SUNY New Paltz, and she decided to test whether humans, parents and non-parents, and, but maybe differently, are hardwired to be more distracted and attuned to whining than to other distracting noises. I know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to let you run us through it. Right. We all know it's going to turn out, but it's so delicious. I'm going to run through it anyway. So the volunteers were asked to try to complete a set of math problems while wearing headphones. <laughs> I'm so glad I wasn't in this study. These are two things I hate, whining and math problems. <laughs> and she had six different sound conditions that she created and put through the headphones while the volunteers were trying to do these math problems. And I should say before we start, the sound, if you were an English speaker, none of the sounds or language was in English. So it wasn't what they were saying that was distracting you. It was the quality of the sound, if that makes sense. Okay. So these are the six sounds that you might get while you're trying to do these math problems, which is already enough of a problem. I'm already laughing, but go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Baby crying. Annoying. Toddler whining. More annoying. What this study called motherese, so please, that's not my pejorative term, but it means like, aren't you a cute little... That. Oh, super annoying. Okay. Super annoying. Neutral grown-up conversation. Neutral. They didn't have in here one-way conversation of somebody like yelling into a cell phone. That's pretty annoying, too, but wasn't in the study, so we'll leave that aside. Yeah, okay. A table saw screeching at the loudest volume. (laughs) Okay, that's very annoying. Or silence. Okay, silence always wins. Right. So the result was that the fewest problems were completed and the most mistakes were made when volunteers were trying to block out the sound of whining. It was worse than the table saw. So I think we should just say solved it. Yeah. When your child starts whining, turn on a table saw at top volume <laughs> because you'll feel marginally better. And this proved true for parents and non-parents, for men and for women. And it was twice as bad as the screeching table saw. You could do math, no problem with a table saw next to you, but not with a whining toddler. That is hilarious. I think this is an insight that I did not expect. So the study sort of takeaway is that this must be an auditory sensitivity that we, as all humans, are hardwired to share, and that when your child whines, they are exploiting that auditory sensitivity in a developmentally appropriate manner. How comforting, Amy. How comforting. So it is a biological imperative and they are exploiting auditory sensitivity. Haven't we just gotten right to the heart of the thing? Yep. And social scientists also say that whining is what they call a low power strategy of dominance. Which means like, you know, we as the grownups, as the big people with the little ones, we have high power strategies of dominance, which we can deploy for well or ill. But like a little kid, like this is sort of what's available to them. There are so many examples, and I love the phrase low power strategy of dominance. I was just (laughs) speaking this. I was we were somewhere in. Somebody in some sort of position that might have been considered in some hierarchy kind of lower on the totem pole. I can't remember where we were, but the ability of low power people to dominate is just endlessly fascinating to me. And when I used to work in restaurants, there was a thing and it was called hot plating and the dishwashers, when things were not going well, the dishwasher breaks, for example, and they complain about it and nobody fixes the dishwashers. They're like, ah, you can just do more dishes. It'll be fine. They start hot plating, which means when they hand you plates to the wait staff, 
who does not have calloused hands, they hand them a stack of plates with a hot plate on the bottom. And you don't realize it's hot until you've taken like four steps away. (laughs) And then you drop the entire thing of plates. And when 50 plates eventually break because the dishwashers keep hot plating the staff, this management eventually buys a new dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And that is another perfect example of low power dominance. It's like you may not have a lot of power, but you're going to figure out a way to get what you want. Right. Love that topic. I could talk about that all day long. Examples of low power dominance. So they're hot plating us. Let's talk about the other reasons kids whine. I mean, they're obvious, but, you know, like illuminating going through the list is helpful in some ways. I mean, kids whine because it works, because even if we ignore, 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 and then we're like, oh, my God, will you quit? They got what they wanted. They got our attention, even if it's negative, even if we're yelling, even if we snap at them, they got us to pay attention. Yep. If you want to be a little more magnanimous in your reaction to wanting, which I do think we can talk about it. I do think that is a response that could work, like choosing to address it with more compassion. We can talk about if that's possible. Okay. But Aletha Solter, she does attachment parenting and she does, you know, discipline without punishment. You know, she's a very warm, fuzzy sort of parenting person. So she suggests that whining is stuck crying, she calls it, and suggests that when your kid is whining, they're actually trying not to lose it. Like they're almost crying, but they're trying to hold it together a little bit. I think sometimes yes, sometimes no. And it strikes me that when we talk about ages and stages, it's like, are kids still whining? Like, I mean, my kids are not achieving the super high end register of whining anymore at 11, nine and seven. But like, I think we're going to get at some underlying behavior that continues and how to address it. That's right. Because does whining have to be? I mean, my, I have two boys whose voices have changed. and Right. So they can no longer be like, Mah! right. But can they complain and complain and complain in a stuck loop? Yes, they can. They can. And make everything my fault. Yes. We used to say. My daughter, it's like the superpowers in comic books, like you get to fly and you get like razors that stick out of your knuckles and like all the different superpowers. Like my kids had the same thing. Like one of my kids would never let anything go. That was his superpower. But my daughter's superpower, it's like a dinosaur adaptation, was the high-pitched screech. Like she could shut down the entire room if she went into like the high-pitched screech mode. So it's a low-power strategy of dominance gone like in a lab. (laughs) Yes, she's a younger daughter of two older brothers, and her low-power strategy of dominance was <laughs> screaming at a register that would break glass. And it was like, everyone was like, whatever it is, give her whatever she wants. Just make her stop doing that thing. Kids probably whine, I mean, again, to say something that is obvious, but sometimes you need to unpack this. Like, they whine when they're hungry. They whine when they're tired. They whine when their ability to cope is ebbing mm-hmm. at the end of the day, at the end of a boring grown-up party they didn't really want to go to, right? That's when... I start whining at the end of a boring (laughs) grown-up party that I didn't want to go to. Right. And whining is just because, I mean, is whining in the eye of the beholder? Kind of. I have a hot take for you, Margaret. Oh, my. Am I ready? I think if we want our kids to whine, that we can't use that word to them. I mean, we can use it to each other. Wait, wait. 
You said if we want our kids to whine, if we don't want our kids to whine. Yes. No, I am anti-whining. Let me be very clear. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a real hot take. You want your kids to whine. No, you're saying if we don't want our kids to whine, we shouldn't call it whining. If we don't want our kids to whine, we shouldn't call it whining because it is. I mean, it's a very judgy, pejorative sort of word, right? Well, and also you're tipping your hat to their low power dominance, which you're saying don't whine. It drives me crazy. And what they hear is whining drives mom crazy. I should do it more. Mm, That's true. I just think it's like one of those, we talked about it in the episode about when should kids tell. And we talked about being a tattle, telling kids don't tattle. And like, that might not be useful because what does that even mean? Like, it's clear to us what it means. It's not necessarily clear to a kid what that means. And I feel like whining is like, I'm really hungry and I don't want to be here anymore. And now you're using that word you always use when you're telling me no. And I also think, I mean, stop and think about it. People say that women whine. We don't ever say that men whine. You know, so I think it's like something that we see people in lower power do to annoy the people in higher power. But it's also the person like asking for something. So I'm not saying we should. Wait, can I still do the thing where they're like, and I'm like, oh, and I pretend to do it back to them? Maybe. Okay. I think it depends on how high the stakes are. I mean, I think you can analyze it to a certain degree. And yes, like demonizing people's voices. There's a lot to all of this. But like whining is super annoying. Like it's not annoying because we think low power voices are more annoying than high power. I mean, it's annoying because it's annoying. It's annoying because it's annoying. And they're using the high pitch and the insistence and the this because... That's what's available to them. So I guess what I mean is telling them to stop whining. It's like, now I'm yelling at you to stop whining. But the kid is like, yeah, but I was talking about how I'm thirsty. Like, I would go like, why are we on this topic now? It's like if I was arguing with my spouse and he changed the subject, I'm like, why are we fighting about that? No, like, I'm still upset about the thing that I brought up. Stop telling me that you don't like how I'm telling it to you. Like, let's talk about the thing that I'm saying. Amy, I think I've got this one. Yeah. I think much like in our lying conversation, lying is a symptom. Sure, you're right. Whining is a symptom. And so that's why saying like, don't lie doesn't really help because like lying is a symptom. So like, don't whine. Whining is also a symptom. It's not a thing. It's like, oh, that whining's annoying. You must be hungry. Let me feed you. Oh, that whining's annoying. You must be tired. Let's put you to bed. Like, just understand that whining is not the thing to be attacked. The thing under the whining is the thing to be attacked. Right. And yet, I'm sure there's some people listening, and I would have been one of them, like, on last Tuesday, being like, yeah, and sometimes kids just whine and carry on and carry on, and it drives me nuts, and they do it when I'm driving, and I can't take it anymore. So we're not saying, I don't think, that whining is just something to be tolerated, and it's our problem. It's something that can be worked on, but I think there are ways that, there are productive ways to address it, and screaming, you must stop whining right now, are probably not the best ways. Yeah, I think that's probably not it. All right. All right. I'm with you all the way so far. All right. So when we come back, we'll talk about how we sometimes address it that is less productive, and then we'll talk about the better ways. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. 
For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back, Amy. What's so productive? I mean, what you're going to solve this for us. Take us all the way. Well, I mean, I'll give you another what doesn't work. Okay. Always good to have that list going. My parenting memoir will be called What Doesn't Work. <laughs> the How Not To Guide to Everything. What Doesn't Work. That I feel like I'm really figuring out. When a kid is whining, we call this red brain sometimes, which is actually from Dr. Stuart Schenker and his excellent work about kids, which is when kids are in red brain, you know, they're like in a tantrum on the floor, like kicking and screaming, whatever. That kid's in red brain. That's not the time to rationalize or da, da, da. It doesn't mean that you accommodate or even acquiesce. It just means it's like, okay, I'm not fixing right the, this kid's mental outlook in this moment. I'm going to get this kid out of the situation, like removed. That's when we're like often, sometimes we talk about the tangential stuff of like voice quality, blah, 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 blah. None of that matters when you're in aisle three of Target. Like, that's the thing. Like, you could listen to 20 podcasts about how to deal with your kids. Right. When your kid is in aisle three at Target having a full-blown meltdown, it's time to just shut everything down. Like, the plant, it's like that scene from, like, the movie. Like, the plant is about to blow. Like, just shut everything down. There is no time to be like, right. are we being gendered about the way we think about human voices? Like, no, shut the plant down. Right. Just, like, like leave the full cart and get outside. So... I mean, so whining is sort of like, that's a level four, if that's a level 10. And in that moment, it's just like, here's what doesn't work is what Wendy Mogul calls trying to reason with the Yetzer hurrah. So she says, it's kind of like how everybody has an angel and a devil on their shoulders kind of thing. Right. This is a sort of, she sort of looks at everything through the lens of Jewish wisdom and the Talmud and stuff. So there's the Yetzer Tov is like... The good little part of you that always does what it's told and wants good things. And the Yetzirah is the little devil. So she says, you don't talk to the Yetzirah. Like when it's coming out, mm. like, why can I have candy? Like, you don't talk to it. <laughs> you don't reason with it. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Right. It is to be contained. It isn't to be, <laughs> she would say, you don't want to quash it, you know. That's funny. That's making me laugh. 
You want to contain it. Don't talk to the Yetzirah. She says, be clear about what your kids are entitled to and stick to it. And this is in ages and stages. I have one of my children who I will attempt to not quantify, (laughs) who is having a really bad time in the mornings right now. And... It is the Yetzer Hara, like dancing a crazy evil jig for half an hour in our house every morning. And the containment often leads to just both of us screaming in each other's faces. Like it's really off the tracks, you know, but that's a funny way to think of it. Like that's not really your kid. That's the like morning devil. And so your only job is to like, stick some food in that thing's mouth and get it out the door. Mm -hmm. And like, there are certain parameters. Occasionally the devil is like, you're terrible people for making me do that. And I'm like, no, that we're not doing. Like, we're not going to be rude and we're not going to be unpleasant, but we can be really grumpy. It's the Tasmanian devil. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Like, Mr. Hyde just needs to get a backpack on, Mm -hmm. get some food in him and get out the front door because... What we hear from the school is everything's fine. So it's just this morning explosion is really just about like put the like cover over the fire and just shove it towards the door. How do your other kids react to this in the morning? Like, are they like upset by it or are they sort of like, oh, yet to hurrah? <laughs> no, they just completely ignore it. They're just like sitting eating their cereal while like the Tasmanian devil whirls through. Isn't that interesting? I always thought that was fascinating when my kids were little that like, one of them would be, I remember once my oldest was having a full on meltdown about something and the youngest was in the high chair and she was like, con con kai and like she didn't like, yeah, yeah, doesn't care. That's happening right there. Interesting. He's really upset. Yeah. And I mean, we have talked about it. I do try to give voice to like, this is not the way we behave. This is making breakfast unpleasant for everyone. I'm sorry that that was so difficult for everyone. Like, I try to calmly give name to it so that it doesn't become the flip side of, like, them not reacting. Is like, I don't want it to be like, we're like the denial family where it's like, let's just pretend something's not happening. I don't think that's the energy around it, but I try to be like, well, that was unpleasant. All right. But anyway, the Tasmanian devil has been packed off to school and now we could all finish our cereal, you know? Yeah. In those moments, I mean, letting it bother you less is a tactic that I think is useful if that's available to you on that moment in that day. You know what I mean? Like it's, you do have to let this stuff bother you less. And I'm getting a little stuck with that with one of my kids right now. Like, oh my God, like you're so unpleasant. Well, and also I will say then when I pick this kid up at school in the afternoon, I'll say, wow, what was that this morning? That was pretty bonkers. Mm. I'm so sorry. I was tired. Like it's not, he realizes that he's having trouble controlling himself in the mornings, you know? And so it's just the mornings. Like it's a contained period. You know, it's interesting. I don't exactly know, but I do think that yet's a hurrah thing is interesting. Like that is just this person's like devil coming out. And if you try to fight the devil, you don't win. I used to, when my little guy was little, I mean, little, I used to tell him and him and he was challenging at times. And I'd tell him he had like the angel and the devil on his shoulder. And I could get him sometimes to kind of arrest himself in the middle of really ramping up. And I'd be like, oh, shh, listen, listen. I hear what he's saying. Listen, the little devil's saying this. And he, he would stop and really try to hear it. And then he'd be like, what's the other one saying? As if I knew, because of course I was omniscient and all powerful. And having some fun with it, that's another way to sort of put parameters on it. I think having fun with it and also naming it in terms of like, whether it's whining or it's like Tasmanian devil morning, I sometimes say, wow, the black clouds have really rolled in for you. You are in the storm. Let's just try to get you fed and out the door because... 
I'm not fighting the storm. Like you are a tsunami of rage and like, and helping them see it as like, oh, you are just in a mess with this whining. You are just deep in how upset you are about that toy. My mom was a therapist and she used to say like, the thing about if you're driving a car without an odometer, it's very hard to see how fast you're going. And the therapist's role is to stand at the side and help you gauge how fast you're going. And I was like, that makes sense to me. You know, like, it's hard to tell that you're out of control when you're behind the wheel because you don't feel the motion. And so I think that's sometimes our job with this is to be the person on the sidelines to be like, whoa, this has really gotten out of control for you. I'm here. I'm calm. Yeah. And I'm going to guide you back to normal. Right. And but to say, like, I see you really upset instead of stop whining, you know, that it's just not what they want to hear. Janet Lansbury says something about that. It's always important to acknowledge your kids emotions. And she puts a very interesting butt on this. Like she's like acknowledging them, you know, doesn't mean accommodating them. It doesn't mean, oh, OK, we all have to stop. Yeah. Doesn't mean validating them. Right. Yeah. We're all going to go get ice cream because you, know, you want it doesn't mean validating. It doesn't mean, you know, like, OK, we have to do whatever you say. It just agreeing with them it doesn't mean any of that. It just means I hear you. You really want ice cream, but we can't get it right now. I actually just saw a hint on Instagram and I wish I remembered who it was, but I just want to say, cause I thought it was such a good tip. If you're in the target, you know, in the checkout line and the kid is crying about really wanting like, you know, fruit by the foot or whatever stupid thing is there. Fruit by the foot is a really stupid thing, by the way. I hope they don't want to advertise <laughs> fruit by the foot. Hot take. There should be no more fruit by the foot. I mean, I wish it was fruit by the foot, right? It's some like, you know, sour patch gushers, you know, gross goo, goo, yeah, goo by the foot. Anyway, in that moment, when your kid is wanting to have something that you don't want them to have, Ever, you can say, we can't have that right now, but let's take a picture. And then we'll remember that, you know, this is something that you want to have one day or something, you know, like distract and sort of acknowledge their feeling. We're going to take a picture of this thing that you really want. And then I'll, you know, immediately delete it from my phone. But that kid in the moment, that can be enough to have them be like, oh, I've been hurt. My need has been remembered. And I think it's important that the kid doesn't even really want that thing. No, no. That's what's important to remember, because sometimes I'm like, Oh, well, it should you always be saying no, but I have one guy who is like, he's, we've given it a name. It's called the greedy grabbies. He can't go to Target well because he gets the greedy grabbies and like he wants everything. Like it ruins his day to go to Target because he's just like, I want all the things. He just sees, the, sees everything he doesn't have, huh? Right. And he's into Nerf right now. And he was like, I want every Nerf gun in the world. And I'm like, who would you play Nerf guns <laughs> with if you had every Nerf gun in the world? And he's like, Huh. Well, I would have people over. And it's like, there's no end to his need. There's an expression in recovery circles, which is the God-shaped hole. And the idea is like, you have a hole that is your God-shaped hole, and you're trying to fill it with like alcohol or drugs or whatever. Fruit by the foot, whatever it is. My kid has a nerf-shaped hole right now. Like, he can't <laughs> fill it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, or I guess he has a God-shaped hole that he's trying to fill with nerf. In the shape of a nerf gun. And it's like, you can't fill that hole with nerf because that's, you're, it's not the right shape. But the point being that, like, it's a symptom. Again, like, the whining for stuff is like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what I want. I don't want to know what I need. If you buy me fruit by the foot, I will start whining for an LOL doll. If you buy me that, I will start. Like, it's a symptom. It's not 
the disease. So you put this name, this funny name on a greedy grabbies and he can laugh about it a little bit and maybe kind of acknowledge like, yeah, I do kind of get like that when I go to Target. And that's a way of helping you address it, it sounds like. Yeah, hopefully. And it's not really when he's in Target, it's not the time for the conversation of like consumerism is a conceit of the American capitalist system. Like, right. It's not the time to try to be like stuff doesn't make you happy. That conversation has no role in the aisle at Target. And like that conversation is a conversation that goes on throughout life and is not something you can really convey meaningfully to a nine-year-old. One of my relatives used to have sort of a thing with her daughter. Her daughter would like throw tantrums and stuff, and she would say that's like the Medusa in you. And it was kind of a joke they had. Like the little girl would be like, I'm not going to be Medusa today. And then, you know, and then sometimes she wouldn't, sometimes she wouldn't. So you use this greedy grabby thing, and it works because it puts a name on it. And Bonnie Harris, who's a parenting expert, suggests that you do just that. She says when your kid is whining, you wait until they stop whining. And then you say, oh, there's Sarah's voice. You know, there's Madison's voice. What shall we name that other voice you use when you're really frustrated? What should we call that? Let the kid come up with it. And then when you hear that, you say, oh, that's the greedy, grabby voice. Do you need to use that voice or can you use the Madison voice to tell me what you want? And you can use examples of your own voices that you use. Your kid can probably help you come up with what those different voices might be and what they would be called. And then it just helps them name it and recognize it. Because, again, when I think when you say stop whining, that's just like a mean word that mom uses whenever the kid wants something. Right. If you help them understand. Yeah. These are different ways that you communicate. And one is more effective than the other. That's helpful to your kid and, of course, helpful to you. And this I'm going back, Amy, to the whiteboard. This is something that we have whiteboarded the kind of more tantrumy, difficult morning stuff, the whining stuff that I think sometimes it's good to gauge whether your kids can or cannot control certain behaviors. And one of the ways I do that is the whiteboard. So I'm like, here's five days. If you can go these five days without having a morning tantrum on Saturday, you can choose the morning activity, whether that's like the trampoline park or, you know, having friends over for a Nerf war or whatever it is, because it can kind of help you gauge how difficult it is for your child to control this behavior. And something like tantrums and whining, it's difficult to do like a whole day without, you know what I mean? But in that case, I might do more like you get an X every time you have a tantrum or a breakdown, or a bout of annoying whining. And if you get to 10, you lose the thing for Saturday, you know? And it just sometimes I'm like, because I think sometimes kids really are in a phase where they're actually having trouble controlling themselves. I think my morning guy is in that phase right now. That's right. If he was able to, you know, whistle his way through Wednesday morning, he would. That's right. But at the same time, I'm not going to stop asking him to control it. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes I go back to this little test of like, let's see if we can get through the week without that. And sometimes we can and sometimes we can't. And if I feel like the pressure of it is adding to the problem, then I might step back from it a little bit. But I think it's good to check in and be like, for some kids, this is harder than for other kids. Some kids are kind of have whiny personalities. You know, I have three kids. But that's true. Some kids, I have a kid who never whined. Like, I almost can't picture their whiny voice, you know. But then I have other kids who whined a lot. And so I think sometimes giving a test of like, how little of this can we do will give you a sense of like how, what this is a symptom of in your kid. Is it just a symptom of like, oh, they do it when they're hungry or they're tired and they can pretty much control it? Or is it a symptom of like, this kid is very overwhelmed by life and it seems like it's a real problem? 
Right. And for that kid, you're breaking it down. Like this is the same stuff that they tell you when you're trying to set a goal for yourself. Like don't say like, I'm going to write a book next year. Say next week, I'm going to sit down at my desk and I'm going to, you know, spend eight hours. And by the end, I will have written half of one chapter or something like, like make the achievable stuff almost absurdly small so that you meet it. And I think it's a really good message for your kid to say, I don't expect you to control this all the time. I don't expect a perfect, no whining, no complaining, no tantruming, no door slamming life. But I want you to understand that you have the capacity to control this. Bonnie Harris would say the same thing, that you need to acknowledge the times when your kid is doing a good job, right? Like, if you really want to address this, you can't just tell them to stop it when they're doing it, but acknowledge, hey, you did a great job today, kind of staying on top of stuff. I noticed you did really well this morning. Good job. You know, I loved how you used your Sarah voice to ask for what you wanted. We always forget to do that, but that could help with some of this, too. My father-in-law has a term for that. I'm going to tell you right after this. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. And now, your guide to mom whining. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. The Daylight Savings Time Wine. Why is it so dark? I don't want to do ballet pickup. It's 4.52. It feels like midnight. The what's for dinner wine. I don't know what's for dinner. Can't you just have cereal again? Why is it so dark? The why did I sign up to be holiday class mom wine. Why did I sign up to be the holiday class mom? I'm not a creative person. I tried to think of something other than that handprint turkey thing, but the ideas on Pinterest all looked so scary and complicated. 
the I'm cold wine. There was no fall at all this year. Seriously, I went straight from complaining that I'm too hot right into complaining that I'm too cold with like no break at all. Can someone turn the heat up? I am freezing. The I can't stand the whining wine. Why do you keep whining? I gave you juice, then you whined for a cheese stick. I gave you a cheese stick, then you whined for something sweet. I gave you a cookie, now you're whining that you're bored. There is nothing that will stop the whining, is there? You will whine forever. This has been your guide to mom whining. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. My father-in-law is big on the attaboy, and we've talked about it before, that like, he talks about it kind of in like marriage and work and situations where it's like, it's easy to get in the mode of like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, stop whining, it's annoying, stop having a tantrum, you're annoying, da da da. And like, kids are annoying, and like, a lot of what they do is testing behavior to test you, but it is always good. Is it Wendy Mogul as the dog thing? Yes. It is. This is like, I mean, people have said on Facebook, like, how much this resonates with them. That when you're on a car trip with a dog, when you let the dog out at home and they're like running around in circles and jumping and barking and biting their tail and like being ridiculous, you're like, good boy. Oh, you did such a good job in the car. You're so excited to be home. And that when you let your kid out of the car and they go in and they like try to pour them juice and knock it all over, you're like, what is wrong with you? You know, and that like talking to our kids, like we talk to dogs, like where are the times where you're like, and I think not only just saying good job, which I think is important, and I try really hard to do that right now to do that with my morning monster. Like, wow, do you realize that we had a pleasant morning where you came down and talked nicely to everyone and got off to school? Like, that was great, you know? And I try not to tack on, which is difficult. Like, if you could do that every morning, our life would be better. Yeah. But yep. just finding times to be like, to sort of delight. And sometimes with the whining and the complaining... It's like, I feel like whining too. That was a terrible day. Like we've had flights or whatever else stuff goes wrong. And everyone's like, this is so long and boring. And it, your tendency is to be like, stop whining. We all feel horrible. I'm not whining. Stop whining. But I think sometimes being like, I know I'm miserable. You're absolutely right. This is torture. I hate it. But when we get there, we'll be in Florida and we'll jump in grandpa's pool and we'll have a great day. You know, whatever it is. Whining is in the ear of the beholder, right? Like we would never say... I really need to whine about something. Like, we might say we're going to go on a rant or something. That's never a word we would use to describe our feelings or feelings. Our kids' feelings are whining. Like, it's real what they're going through, and it's real what we're going through, and it's okay to need to vent or complain once in a while. I mean, it's unrealistic to expect that nobody ever would. Yeah, and I think, like, in that you see it as a symptom, you also have to keep reframing it in terms of... The one of my kids is just, you know, has a little bit of that. How was your day? Terrible. Why? Someone was mean to me at lunch. Okay, but what else happened during the day? Okay, these 17 good things happened, but you had a terrible day because one person said something mean to you at lunch. Like, it's just a good thing. You don't want whining to become a way of life. And we all know adults who are whiners, you know, who are just like, yeah, how was your day? (laughs) Oh, you know, this person, da, 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 da. oh, the traffic was terrible getting here. It's like, right, the traffic is always terrible getting here. But like, here we are together. What fun. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about what works for us, okay. right? To sort of try to change our approaches to this, because I think there are a few things we can do. And you kind of already hit on this. I'm going to quote Erin Leba here. She's a therapist. And she says, when a kid whines, try to remind yourself that that whine is a request that's 
urgent on their part for either comfort or a resource. So it occurs to me when your kid's like, it was terrible, this kid did this at lunch, he was mean to me, that he wants comfort or she might want a resource, right? Like, what do I say? How do I handle this? That they are asking for help in those situations. And what they're not always asking for is perspective. And that's the problem that I sometimes have. Ah, that's true. They're not always asking for like, well, if you analyze your day, you will see there was much more good than bad. Like, that's not, again, right time, right place for like the big picture. Sometimes you don't. My husband tends to... He's a very grounded person and he's very rational and he's very calm. And I sometimes have to say to him, like, I'm not looking for the other side of this argument. I'm looking for you to beat the person up who did this to me. Metaphorically, I don't he's not a beat up type of a person. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm looking for you to be like, that person was terrible to you and they should feel really bad. And I hate them. Like, and sometimes I have to tell him, like, I'm not really looking for you to advocate for their point of view and how I might have been wrong. And I have to remember that for my kids, too, sometimes. Like, they're not always like, well, sometimes there are annoying people in the world. We all have to deal with that, darling. Like, sometimes it's just like, I am so sorry that happened to you. What an annoying thing. I'm really sorry that person was so mean. Why would they say something like that? Like, sometimes they want you to just be on their side. Last night I came in and my youngest was very upset about some homework she really was not getting and just very, 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 very upset. And I, for once, did it right. I acknowledged and stopped, right? I said, oh, I can see how upset you are. Wow. Good job, Amy. Good job. Yeah. And guess what? It all ended and worked out, you know, a lot more quickly. And then we moved on to how can I help you? How can we, should I help you with the homework or should I, you know, help you explain to the teacher that you just didn't get it? What's the best way to approach this? But first acknowledged and then stop. And you can see when you really do that, they look at you almost kind of confused. Like they stop for a second, like, wait, aren't you going to tell me, oh, come on or stop whining or, you know, they don't expect you to respond with simple acknowledgement and then silence. It's confusing to them and it arrests the upset. I recommend it. That is kind of delighting to them. I mean, I've had times, especially when the kids were really little, when it was like, whatever, kindergarten worksheets and stuff, where they would be freaking out and crying over their homework. And I would walk over and take the homework and rip it in four sheets and be like, we're not doing this. It's not worth it. This is not what homework's supposed to be. You know, sometimes just being like you, my mom was getting on a plane once and a guy came over and said, oh, I think this is my seat. And she said, no, I think this is my seat. Blah, blah. Anyway, they went back and forth and back. And my mom finally pulled out her ticket. And she said to the guy, wow, you are absolutely right. I am in the wrong seat. This is your seat. And then when she was getting up, he started started joking like, could you say that one more time? I never hear that. I am absolutely right. And like, I think sometimes just even when it's whining, even when it's being presented in an unpleasant way, when your instinct is like, I must stop this behavior. Every once in a while, it's great to be like, let's rip the homework up. You know what? Let's take the day off and go get ice cream. None of this is, it's not, let's hold it all a little less lightly. I have a quote from Dr. Jessica Michelson that I really like. She says, when kids whine, they're telling you, I can't act big anymore. Please take care of me like I was a baby. I kind of like that. Aw, that is really sweet. Yeah, and when you're, you know, trying tween is really whining about something and working your last nerve... It's okay to be annoyed, but it's also important to remember they are asking you for help. And if your baby was crying, you would attend to them. You wouldn't tell your baby to shut up from, you know, across the room. 
And we definitely understand that, like, if every time your kid whines, you're like, rip it all up, we're going for ice cream, you're going to raise a horrible human being. Like, but if every time they whine, you're like, that is unacceptable in this house, you're just setting yourself up. You're not getting at what's underneath that symptom. There's a great scene in the book, Eat, Pray, Love, the Elizabeth Gilbert book. Yeah. That... She's like running check-in at like a yoga center and the person next to her is like very centered and stuff. And the people are coming up and being like, I had a reservation and this isn't correct. And she's like, these people are so annoying. I hate them all. Like they're all like rich, horrible monsters and I hate them. And the lady next to her is like, it's so hard for them to let go of their fear, isn't it? Like enter into this process. And it's just like having a different perspective on what you're hearing from other people. You cannot do this a hundred million hours a day. You know what I mean? You can't do this all the time. You can't hear whining every time. It's like, what I hear is that the world is overwhelming and you need to return to childhood and baby dump. Like, of course, sometimes you're going to be like, stop whining. We're all on the delayed plane and we all hate it. So shush, you know? Right. But it is always good to reimagine the perspective of like, what is causing this morning monster who wakes up in my house to terrorize us all every day? It helps you meet it more calmly. And so that will probably also, I think, help with the whining. I mean, it helps you feel better about it, but I think it will, you know, sort of cut the whining down if you're not yelling, stop whining, which, you know, that I don't know. It doesn't work. Oh, listen, if screaming at my morning monster, shut up, you're annoying everyone and you need to behave better than this worked, I would advocate it 100 (laughs) percent. But I have tried it at length. It is much easier than anything else, but it unfortunately does not work. It feels very effective for that three seconds, right? It feels really good to scream in another human being's face when they are annoying you. But unfortunately... There's really no happiness. I've walked a long way down this road, guys. And I'm telling you, it does not lead to happiness. Whatever you do, I think you need to handle it consistently. Like, right? Like, what will encourage more whining is if the kid wants the fruit by the foot and three times out of five, you ignore. And once you yell and the last time you just buy the fruit by the foot because you can't take it anymore. And there's a reason why when you buy the fruit by the foot, they're whining by the time you get out the door that they want to stop at Starbucks and get, you know, a (laughs) sugary drink like they can't scratch the edge. So like giving in does not actually help because, again, if giving in worked, I would tell you to do that. It's also a lot easier. It's that God shaped hole they're trying to fill with a unicorn frappuccino and uh uh. It cannot be filled with fruit by the foot and unicorn cappuccinos, unfortunately. I wish it could, guys. I wish it could. If your kids are whining a lot, right? If there's a lot of whining in your house, just like if there's a lot of yelling in your house, it's like probably time to look at the iceberg and see what else might be going on in your family's life and your kid's life or you're taking on too much or there are other stress factors. And because that will also help you. One, hopefully address some of those factors, but two, meet the whining with a little more compassion instead of this kid is out to ruin my life. And I mean, the good news returning to our earliest theme is that this is in young children. The true whining whining is a biological imperative and their vocal cords will continue to lengthen and they will no longer be able to make that sound (laughs) anymore at a certain point. Do their vocal cords lengthen? That must be it, right? Your vocal cords lengthen and your voice gets deeper. They do something. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but they still will be in a low power. What is it called, Amy? Uh, It was a low power strategy of dominance. Right. The low power strategy of dominance continues through all ages and stages. Yes. They might have more cards in the deck, you know, in their hand once they get to be teenagers. And a three-year-old, that's sort of all they have. So... Right. Like my seven-year-old just rolled her eyes at me for the first time. And I was like, 
oh, here comes the next low power strategy of dominance. Yes. The dismissive eye roll. Yes. But I would argue that whining, eye rolling, morning tsunami of rage, you know, teenagers being like, dumb mom, like Mm -hmm. these are all in the basket of low power strategies of dominance. Yes. And they're normal. And if you can, uh, I mean, this is physician heal thyself. If you can be more non-reactive for your own emotional health to the low power strategies of dominance, then you're going to be better off. They're low power. You're like, picture yourself like holding them at arm's length, right? While they're like windmill punching, like it's fine. Like you're the grown up. They're the little one. And to go back to my hot plating, like you can go in and scream at the dishwashers, don't do this anymore, but they will say, we're not doing anything. We don't know what you're talking about. A lot of the plates are hot. Mm. Like you can go in and scream at them that like this low power dominance has to stop. But fundamentally, at a certain point, they're going to get you to fix the dishwasher. So like, maybe just fix the dishwasher earlier on. (laughs) Can I give you a quote from Bonnie Harris? You may. To just wrap this up. She's got the goods here, I think. Whining, she says, is as developmentally appropriate and normal in a toddler's life as discovering the pleasure of saying no. Don't think about teaching your child not to do it. Do think about ways you can help yourself deal with it calmly and perhaps shorten its duration. Boom, people. Solved it. We did it. We did all those things. We did all those things. We have solved this one. You're going to keep going back to one on this one, guys. But Mm -hmm. come on. We solved it. We solved it. What is going on, guys, at your house with whining? We want to know how you're handling it. And we want you to come to our Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast and tell us what is happening with whining. You can also find us on Instagram at what fresh hellcast and you can find us on Twitter at WFH podcast. And if you want links to the study about the table saw, you do and <laughs> Bonnie Harris and all these good things that we quoted today. I'll put them all up on our website. What fresh hellpodcast.com. I feel like as a gift to our listeners, we should include it sound of a table saw for one minute. So Amy, just pause. Okay, guys, you can listen to that instead of whining if you need to. Because that's not whining. That's annoying. Not annoying at all compared to the whining. No, that's less annoying than whining. So if your kids are whining, just drown them out with that little sound bite. And with that, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time, guys. Bye. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know 
while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 